girls, uh, ladies and gentlemen, cats of all ages, it's time for another exciting, scintillating, uh, why does it say reconnect? Uh, computers will be you. the death of us all. Uh, another exciting episode of the Development Hell Podcast. Welcome to episode 79. I'm in a good mood. Germany kicked some Slovakian ass at football today, so things are looking good. Mr. Finkler is on the other end. Say hello to everyone, Ed. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. My name is Herr Finkler. That's that's a pretty good movie villain, uh, German. That was pretty good. German name. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, just uh, I got real pumped up about this uh, song, this Utah Saints song from '92. And I've deleted. Make sure to delete any reference. You deleted it again. Notes. You suck. Of course, of course. It just says you. Utah Saints suck. You don't even know. Maybe you do know when you actually know. God damn it. They were overrated then and they're overrated now. Let's go oh, with the show. Overrated. I mean, the thing that makes that song is the Kate Bush sample. I'm I mean, sure they didn't even pay for that either. I think they did because she's like in the video. Maybe that was a condition because they probably like borrowed the clip first and then someone was like, oh shit. And Kate Bush was temporarily aroused from her cryogenic chamber to come out and did the video and then they put her back in. I bet she has one of those things, like those pure oxygen chambers that she sleeps in to like recover muscle uh, tone like quickly. Because like, she like literally disappeared for like a long time and then just, I think like last, maybe last year or the year before she released another album. If you basically. say literally, that means that she turned invisible. Well, she did. Okay. It's a side effect, side effect of sleeping in that chamber. Yeah, light. that's a good point. It does. Light the just transparency. Right yeah, it's, right. That's true. That's a good point. Yes. That's a good point. Sorry, literally is not the correct word. She disappeared from the public view so, for yeah. quite a long time. I'm sure she kept on living her life. So, uh, Chris, did you go to Pride? Uh, no, I did not. I don't go to Pride. I uh, support uh, LGBT people, but I do not go to Pride. Why don't you want to get tore up? Because uh, I don't actually like getting tore up, to be perfectly honest with you. That's weird. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah, you'd think I'd drink more, but well, no. Well, you got your dark and stormy. I had I had one before we started here, yes. And at some point when you're rambling, I will probably mute and go upstairs and get myself another one. Which but is appropriate, um, yeah. As appropriate, no man, just uh, not a big uh, not a big party guy. Man, you should wear some like some hot pants and a boa. <laughs> and or yeah, I know uh, I know how I look in a mirror wearing stuff similar to that, and I don't think anyone. I think I would set back the cause quite a bit um, if I showed up in public like that. Fair point. Maybe do the uh, Judas Priest look. Yeah, the irony that uh, all these uh, ridiculously homophobic heavy metal fans were wearing uh, <laughs> yeah, no were wearing bondage and uh, bondage uh, outfits for the longest time. I, I'm sure that's lost on a lot of them, but whatever. Yeah, some of them. But no, they've actually been become pretty accepting as, as someone who follows metal fairly closely. I mean, yeah, there's some of that dumb stuff, but there's yeah. know, dudes have mellowed out a lot on that junk, which is good. Yeah, because, you know, things change and, you know, it's nice to look at these things and see the number of people on the wrong side of history gets smaller with every passing day. Mm-hmm. Smaller, actually physically smaller. Like they <laughs> yeah. shrink. Yes. While all, the, while all our, our, our uh, gay and lesbian friends get swole. That's how it works, man. No, that expl- that's a lot. It's the gym memberships uh, go up. Um, right. Turns out a lot of uh, anabolic steroid use. It's actually kind of upsetting. So before we get on to our sponsor really quick, I saw a 
very cool video today on YouTube where at the Pride event in London, mm-hmm. the uh, the police were marching in the parade, and at one point yeah. they stopped, mm-hmm. and one of the policemen came out of the uh, came out of formation and went went and proposed to his boyfriend that was uh, right up against the rail watching them go by. So it was a kind of a nice moment. Nice, that's dope. Yeah. Very now, cool. if, this the, was, if this was New York City, another one of those cops would have shot him. Yeah, pretty. <laughs> maybe right. And um, my personal connection to the whole thing was they were outside the toy store that I went to when I was in London last week. Or, you know, Is that we, the one where you danced around on that big like piano that you could step on? In that, uh, in the movie. that is the place where they have that, but I, it was not there when I went. No, there. you were you were in the movie, weren't you? No, I wasn't in the movie. That was you in Big. No, no, I wasn't. What? So, oh, is it was it an FAO Schwartz? I mean, because that's what it was. They were in New York, but they were at FAO. Right, Schwartz. but this one's called uh, called Hamleys. It's like four level, five level uh, toy store in the middle of London. I went there yet, and bought some stuff for my kids. Another British ripoff of American Originals. <laughs> if you say so. Commonwealth. Um, yeah. So you want to talk about some sponsor? I oh, know you're doing the reads, man. Go ahead. Uh, is it okay? Uh, yeah. So we got Wonder Network, and I was thinking about a theme song for them, but I couldn't really come up with something. But I did decide that I kind of wanted to sound like either uh, the dude from ACDC or the dude from Soundgarden. Wonder Network. I think that's definitely the Soundgarden one would work better for that. Yeah, right, right. Whether you're feeling Minnesota or... I forgot. Looking Calif- or looking California. <laughs> Wonder Networks helps you figure out either one of the... Either whether your server can look the same in both locations. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Wonder Network, of course, they're a big, uh, big ongoing uh, friends of the show. They do the uh, live broadcast, which I forgot to set up. Uh, so we're just going to record this one. Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, they, they they provide the uh, bandwidth for live broadcast, and they have awesome features for doing things. A lot of like uh, you know things, testing geolocation and uh, optimizations. Uh, or uh, internationalization uh, stuff that's done for what do you call it? I don't know what the difference between localization and internationalization is, but you know, whatever. The point is that you can test and you'll be like, what does my website look like if I am coming from Greenland as opposed to South Africa, right? So you get that stuff all checked out, you got your Wonder Network, and, they, and then they have some other cool stuff like they got your Wonder VPN for personal VPN services, you got your. Uh, uh, wonder testing. What is that? I don't know. No, where, where is it up? Where it where it be? They got oh, it's called- <laughs> what it is. I think it's called. The, so. I would just want to wish to interrupt for a moment, kids. This is what happens when okay. both hosts drink before yeah, we do I, the I podcast. Have had normally it's, normally it's just amount. me, but at this time Ed joined I, me. I've had uh, un, unbeknownst to me, so it was synchronized uh, pregame drinking. I had a probably too much uh, of some kind of turkey rum, and that was in a Diet Coke, and um, some tacos that we had at a friend's place, and I think I might have had a little too much. So, Too many tacos? Probably too much of everything. There's no such thing as too many tacos in my experience. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. All Um, right, let's uh, let's move this forward. So Wonder Network, yes. And the next sponsor is... 
grumpy learning. With our, with our currently incorrectly figured, uh, configured uh, SSL certificate, but I'll fix that. Yeah, so grumpy learning. Just ignore that. It's not a scam. Don't just, worry. Just, just tell your browser. Just accept it. It's fine. It's all text. There's nothing bad going on there. <laughs> grumpy learning. It's not a trick. That's right. Grumpy learning. It's not a trick. I like that. I should use that as a, <laughs> as the new tagline. Uh, so thankfully, he uh, this is this is Chris's uh, thing where he gets to talk about stuff that he knows about, and thankfully, uh, he has not written a book about SSL certificates. Because <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a pamphlet, not so, so much a book. Yeah. How much? I know. Um, it's just a link to, like, an, a, a how Ubuntu. Yeah. Uh, it's just article. a link to Let's Encrypt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go over here. Cause that's what I did, but I clearly messed something up because oh, yeah. it says the certificate's expired. Uh, like I said, we'll, I'll fix it later. You know Go you're on. supposed to renew it every, like, couple months. No, I have a cron job set up. It's supposed to renew it, yeah. and I just ran it, and it said, "Oh no, you don't need to renew it." But you yeah, know, something's wrong. The, the browser says, "No, no, no, the certificate's it's expired." So hey, Chris, Chris it I think something's wrong with it. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so Grumpy Learning at grumpylearning dot com. Grumpy Dash Learning dot com. Sorry, at Grumpy Dash Learning dot com, right. you can find all sorts of uh, great stuff for developers, particularly about testing. And one of the things that's tough when you're trying to uh, act like you know what you're doing as a developer is to say, oh, yeah, I sure write tests for my code. <laughs> and you don't really, and you're not so good at it. And uh, But one of the problems is that a lot of testing stuff can be kind of intimidating with how much stuff there is to learn, and there's a bunch of different nomenclature and things, you know, what does this word mean? I don't know what that word means compared to X word, and how do I get started with this? Why? How do I test in certain situations? And I don't know, and it's all very confusing. There's got to be a better way. Well, there is. Go to grumpy-learning.com, and you buy all the books that are there. And then you learn stuff, uh, such as Grumpy Learning's Minimum Viable Test book. And then some bundle he did with Phil Sturgeon. I don't know why, but he did. And it's got stuff like Try to Make an API that isn't garbage. I think that's the name of the book. (laughs) So Grumpy Learning is where you learn about uh, testing and if you don't do a good job, Chris will be mad. And but, I have lots of Twitter, and I have lots of Twitter followers, and I know how to yeah, find people. Right. So, so he's not afraid that. to shame. He uses shame as a weapon. It's weaponized shame. Weaponized shame. Uh, but uh, I, I can say, in all honesty, that I think Chris's books have helped me a lot in terms of learning how to test and when to test. And he uh, has been a, a great resource for me. And his tests are, or excuse me, his books are very good. So to learn more about testing, how to apply it, ways to apply it, how to get started, which is oftentimes I think the hardest thing to do, uh, particularly in sort of uh, PHP, where you know it's not always sort of a test-first culture. Uh, I think his books are really, really helpful. So I'd highly recommend them. They're real good stuff. So he's going to send me some money now. Um, so if you hear like it sounds like cash going into that, that's my Square Cash app making noise that I've gotten the money uh, from that. So yeah, grumpy-learning.com and wondernetwork. I don't know com. I guess uh, they're our sponsors this week. Back to you. <laughs> that's the sound of money going into Ed's account. Yeah, that's very, I like that very much. 
Uh, so, and and we should also introduce so that we can all have fun discussions. Our, Jesus, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm going to screw it up, and let's see what happens. Daly? Oh, well, oh, that was exactly what I thought it was, so that was much <laughs> easier. Uh, Noelle Daly uh, is here. Uh, she works with New Relic and has worked for a long time in developer relations for a couple of different companies. So if you've been to a few different, say, PHP conferences or other uh, language conferences, you might have seen her. Uh, at you used to work at Engineering, right? Okay. Yeah, I worked at Engineered, and now I'm at New Relic. Mm-hmm. So one of those things, and she, we know her for several years from doing Dev Relations, and now she's done the switch uh, for I don't know why, because why the hell would you want to end up like us uh, to uh, <laughs> development to, to to be a developer? And she also gave a really awesome talk at Open Source Bridge, which was someplace I was just this uh, just the past couple days ago, and then had a hellish experience coming home. So uh, she came on to come talk about that stuff and also kind of shoot shit with some other things here so uh chris what have you been up to brother so uh last little bit i was doing my world traveler thing i was in uh serbia i spoke at uh, in belgrade spoke at uh, php serbia did an opening talk where i talked about uh um did a talk entitled an oral history of how i became grumpy so i kind of talked about um how i built up my career uh, specifically the role that open source played in it and just just kind of how I've kind of approached everything leveling up skills looking for opportunities um, stuff like that I really enjoyed giving the talk I love to talk about myself so the chance to talk about myself to a captive audience for an hour was really really fun um, and then were they uh, actually cut, like did they lock the doors yeah they chained them all up and everything okay, so that's it was cool. good. I like that yeah, it was just, it was, I wrote that in my contract and absolutely nobody was allowed to leave while I was talking I like that. Uh, then I came back for like a week and a bit then I Flew off to uh, England pre-Brexit vote, um, and I gave the same talk at PHP South Coast. With uh, thanks so much to uh, James Tickum and the other organizers for uh, inviting me to speak. And then after that, I hopped on the much maligned uh, British uh, railway system and went to London, and then spent uh, a week hanging out with my uh, fellow Mozillians. Uh, we had our all hands work week in London, England. Uh, this time, so um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that because uh, some interesting feelings surfaced while I was there that I want to kind of talk about afterwards. So that's we what don't I was really doing. want to hear about your feelings. I just want to. No, no, you're going to hear about my feelings. Fuck. Is how this works. Fuck. If I have to listen to your horse shit about how you hate to travel. You're going to hear me talk about my my feelings. Oh about man, speaking about the horse shit, you had to listen to. Guess what happened at my local paper? Uh, I don't know, man. Tell me. They wrote a story about me. And it starts off with the podcast that we did in episode 15. Really? Yeah. I, like, it's right on the front page of today's paper, the wow, Sunday paper. Uh, yeah, so I'll, uh, uh, you know, I posted about this. You're just not paying attention to me, I guess. Um, anyway, yeah, they wrote an article about uh, the stuff I've been doing the past, uh, really, four years, because it was about four years ago. I think it was June or July that we recorded that episode, because it was soon after PHP Tech, that, so it probably would have come out in June. What is it? Is it the JC Online? Is that the one? Yeah, the JC Online uh, right. thing. So we can we can put a, a, a link in the notes there. Chris, I'll I'm let gonna, you handle that. Yeah, I'm going to go look at that while you talk. Yeah. So uh, oh, inmate gets ten years for punching jailer. Oh, they did talk about yeah, you. Yeah, that That's was excellent. it. That was it. Now normally I show up it, like in the back, like in the police blotter, uh, but this time I was on the front page, and it was not because of a narcotics related arrest this time. 
So uh, I got I I uh, am uh, friends, uh, but mostly Twitter friends. But I mean, he doesn't live like far from me. From the guy who's probably sort of like the column, the sort of the primary columnist, and also because local papers don't exactly have a lot of people working at them anymore. Probably one of the main writers for the Journal and Courier, which is the paper in Lafayette and West Lafayette that covers that area in Indiana. And he, you know, uh, he's on Twitter and pays some attention to that and sees me babbling about uh, open sourcing mental illness. And so he was like, hey, maybe it's time we do a little uh, do an interview with you. We write an article. Man, my name's only mentioned once. That sucks. Sorry, I will try to work on that. Uh, I, I look. I look every time at all your talks. I look for that slide featuring me at the end of it, and every time it's not in it, you know, I die a little bit inside. Ed. Understandably, understandably. Well, I am already dead inside, so it's just you're, you still got a ways to go. Uh, but it was an enjoyable interview. In fact, I did it while I was on my week long world tour, coast to not world tour, uh, U.S. tour, coast to coast. Went from Indianapolis to Orlando, Florida, for what is usually called yet another Pearl Conference, North America, but now seems to just be called the Pearl Conference because maybe it's less like there's a... I think it was that the Pearl Conference used to be what then for, went which is what became OzCon, and OzCon still maintained the Pearl Conference as part of OzCon, at least in branding sake, and they still did, I mean, when I was going first for years I went, they had a lot of Pearl content there. I have been there less lately. I don't know if they've dropped it, but when I was there, all the signs and, like, the badges said the Pearl Conference, but uh, it was called, and if you, the, the domain for it was yapsyna.org, so, which is yet another Pearl Conference North America.org. And so that was actually an interesting conference uh, in that it was interesting to see what Pearl's up to, uh, to see the kinds of things they talk about, the kinds of things they think about. Uh, and it was enjoyable. I wasn't there, able to be there for like several days. It's a, link, a long conference with lots of talks. But I did give my uh, open sourcing mental illness my standard kind of talk there, and that was great. The guy who is the pumpkin. Uh, they that is what they call the person who sort of runs the show for Pearl 5, I think. Like, he's kind of in charge of releases for Pearl 5 and coordinating all that stuff. Uh, the dude who was there, uh, I think his name, he goes by Sawyer X, I think, on... Um, on Twitter, which I'm going to let Chris look that up because I'm talking. Uh, he was really complimentary, which was very kind to hear. Uh, actually, a younger guy. And it, it is the case that I was there, and they were certainly, I would guess if you're looking at age things, it skews a little older than some than some conferences. Like, excuse me, I got a call. <coughs> like, um, Empire JS was a bunch of young bumpkins. You know what I mean? Uh, like they were just pulled uh, green off the vine and dropped in to write, uh, you know, front end code and node code. Uh, folks at uh, the pro conference were, uh, you know, a little bit of the older, 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 more uh, wizened veterans, but. I would say that it was uh, also still, it was a very enjoyable conference and not, you know, it wasn't like it was wildly different than, um, say, a PHP conference or things like that. Maybe people slightly less trashed, but um, 
it was uh, an enjoyable time, and I was like, everybody was super friendly, good times, got to do my talk, people seemed to really like it, it was great, so I was really glad, a uh, lot, of, lot of really great people, and I think that they really value having a great community there, and they certainly seem to. Uh, and then, so I flew then all the way from Orlando over to Portland, Oregon, land of hippies and free pot, tolerant Oregon. And, uh, that was fun too. And that was for open source bridge, which I, is a conference I have been to most of the last few years. And I, in fact, uh, I was there for most of it, and I, in fact, gave a new talk, and it is a technical talk, and that was crazy. So I gave a talk about graph databases, sort of an introduction to graph databases, and people seemed to like it. Like, it was not in a huge room, and it was super full, and that was weird. Um, But I think I did okay. Noelle, did I do okay? You did great. Okay, well, that was very nice of you to say. And I will, <laughs> you know, uh, send you the little coupon that I had for you. So, <laughs> uh, so I gave that talk, um, and then I came home. Uh, I started coming home yesterday, and then I got home today. Oh wow! Because. I was in Portland and was going to fly to Salt Lake City and then make a connection to Indianapolis. Well, there was something wrong with my plane or something that the plane that was going to fly me to Salt Lake City and they found like a bump in the plane, like a dent in the door. And it took them about like two hours to figure out if they could fly or not. So that was too much and I would have missed my connection. So I had to rebook and the fastest I could get home was to fly to LAX and then take a red eye to Indianapolis. So yeah, I didn't really super enjoy that too much because it, we also went to some kind of hellhole gate, um, that there were people like just sitting all over the floor because there wasn't enough room and they had, there were two, like two planes, two different flights coming out because there's a gate 53 a and a gate 53 B and they were both had flights coming at almost the same time or leaving at almost the same time. So like they'd announce something and I would think, Oh, it's time for me to get on. Nope. It's not your plane. It was the other one going to Georgia. So, uh, that was hellish. And then I kind of yelled at a guy and I felt super bad about it and I apologized to him, but I still felt super bad and embarrassed about it. Uh, and then just tried to sleep on the way home while I listened to the end of the Martian, uh, and then I listened to, not watch, but listened to the movie Deadpool, which would have been the third time I've watched it. But that was fun, I guess. Uh, anyway, I finally got home this morning at 7.30 in the morning and went to sleep and then got up and felt grumpy and went to a open source meetup meeting that we did and then came home. And then I went to our friend's place and we ate tacos and I drank a little too much. So that was my day, Chris. Sounds, uh, sounds way more exciting than mine was. Yeah. So you're going to PHP cruise in like three weeks, right? Yeah, I did. I went to a wedding yesterday actually, but thanks for asking, Ed. No problem. So you got tore up at that wedding. No, I didn't get tore up because I don't I don't even have anything to drink when I have to drive. So um oh, okay. I, I drove. That's dumb. Yes. So, well, what about you? When you have to drive, you get tore up, right? <laughs> when I have to drive, that's the only time apparently. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you gotta like loosen up. I mean, you get anxious about driving. <laughs> Like, you know, take it, take it flexible. Yeah, it must be hard with all the free pot to uh, to drive sober. It yeah. is, yeah. I, I try to restrain myself. Um, so, yes, I am going to be speaking at PHP Cruise. Like, my relatives were asking me about that. I'm like, oh, so no, I don't have to go anywhere for a while. Then my wife's like, you dumbass, the cruise is like in three weeks. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I was like, well, in my head, it's a lot further off than three weeks. So Now, is that the uh, that's the uh, PHP conference for Ted Cruz supporters? Is yes, that correct? Okay. yes. Right. Yes, so where we where we dissect who the Zodiac killer really is. Oh yeah, um, my wife went to the the park where a couple, the Zodiac killer shot a couple people uh, in California. Is she doing research? Yeah, yeah. She made the whole outfit, like with the hood and the markings, and then she came home to surprise me. You know, I, I you know I watched the movie and I actually found right. that that one scene in the park uh, to be actually be quite creepy. I've noticed as I've gotten older, yeah. horror films are having a bigger impact on me, so I don't watch a lot of them anymore. I'm not sure what happened to me where I got uh, such a soft uh, marshmallow core in me that I can't watch a horror film anymore. But I got to tell you guys too. Also, because I I started saying talking about my wife and I was writing in the notes. I was trying to write open source bridge, and I wrote open source wife. <laughs> I, I don't super know what that means, but I think I'm just going to go ahead and undo that. I don't know. And, and you and I have had some conversations that seem to lean towards there being an open source wife. But, a, you know. a, 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 a. I'm pretty sure. If, I'm pretty sure if your wife ever meets me, she's probably going to punch me. So. Oh it's, yeah, no, she no, she hates you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's understandable. She said some very rude things to me on Twitter, and I've just like usually say, "Well, Ed already said that to me, so it doesn't have much of an well, impact." Well, that's true. I have said that to you, but no, it was probably from her. Yes. Probably from her. Some uh, of the comments about, I don't come to where you work and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I said like Ed says that to me like almost every day. So it's, I do. it loses impact. That's and true. I also com- and I also complain bitterly about not being invited to your 40th birthday party, but you know, you whatever. are invited to my 41st birthday party. Yeah, sure. I am. Okay. I am. I'm inviting you right now in front of God and everyone. It's probably when I'm going to be in, uh, when is it? It'll be like August 6th. Yeah, no, that won't work. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, man. Well, shit. Uh, I think a friend of mine's going to come down from Ann Arbor, though. So, no oh, well, lottie fucking duh. Well, it's not that far from you, Canado. <laughs> it's like three and a half hours. Yes, I mean four hours, maybe. It's like half. You could go halfway. Uh no, that's no. Unfortunately, that will not work. It will have to be another time. I'm going to. I have to go to uh, Mountain View. When? Hold on. Let me look. Oh, nice for Mozilla. The worst. Plus, uh, oh, wait a minute. No, that's a Saturday, right? Uh, yeah, that will be a Saturday. You know what? Maybe. Maybe. Let me think about this. Maybe. Maybe, because I'm teaching. I can talk about this, too. I'm doing uh, Quote, unquote. I'm, te- I'm, I'm teaching a course for Zend. Uh, PhD, doing a PhD. <laughs> Dude, don't laugh. They paid me, so don't laugh. Oh, my bad. Um, I already got paid half up front. I always roll that way. Yeah, that's um, a good idea. So I'm doing that on the 5th. So maybe if I can figure out a way to get there on the 6th, maybe. Maybe. Well, I mean, you take a, take a plane. but uh, you know. Well, of course I would take a plane. It's too goddamn far. I don't like you that much that I'm going to drive all the way to Pawnee from Toronto. No, thank you. Fly to Indianapolis and then, like, send the stretch hummer to come pick me up. Well, yeah. I mean, so obviously you can come. Uh, not just you can't come. You were invited. Officially, not you, Noel. You're not invited. Uh, Thanks. Okay, no problem. Um, I did invite uh, a friend of mine who didn't invite me to his wedding, so that was nice of him. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the 
they just actually they just had a little courthouse thing, so it was kind of. No, you got snubbed, dude. You know, I you did got get snubbed. snubbed. Don't actually, try to, I'm don't trying try to, to yeah. don't try to pick it over. All right, let's, let's, stop, let's stop talking about how pathetic we are. Let's let's pick okay. on Noel. So Sounds Noel, like please tell me that they did testing during this, uh, and I'm doing air quotes boot camp that you went through as part of your <laughs> transition. <laughs> should, should Noel explain anything about herself or like what she does or anything? I guess she did a little bit. Like where she works. I don't know. Yeah. So you, you, to, to remind everyone who's forgotten because of the distractions of all this stuff we were talking about, um, I, I forgot. I forgot what I was saying. Just go ahead. So talk about, so, so as we mentioned before, you were initially doing developer relations stuff for engineer, which is where you were working when I, when I first met you at a conference and then you moved on to new relic. And then at some point you said, Hey, this programming thing doesn't look that tough. So, um, you (laughs) can, you can correct my timeline on this too. So you said, Hey, I'm going to, I want to learn how to become a programmer. You got the opportunity to do so. You went through one of these uh, boot camps, accelerated learning, I don't know, whatever whatever label the government says you're not supposed to call them. Uh, you went through it, um, and now you're at New Relic, and hopefully you're doing developer stuff. So let's kind of talk about the journey, what made you decide to do it, your experience at the boot camp. Because I know... I know some people's experience with those have been very, very mixed. Some of them, and I'm going to preface this by saying some of them look like they're less than above board. They, they're guaranteeing you employment, but a lot of these places end up hiring graduating students to be the teachers. So it looks kind of very weird to outside people. So let's talk about what made you decide to go from uh, helping developers like learn about the tools that the company you were working for was billing to saying, hey, I actually want to start learning how to make things like this. Yeah. So I actually have been doing a bit of programming in my free time, kind of on and off throughout, um, well, for a little while. So I started doing a little bit of programming in high school, uh, making really shitty websites, as I'm sure many other people can relate to. (laughs) Um, Yes, if you remember LiveJournal, in fact, Mm -hmm. I used to do a little bit of that. Hell yeah, dog. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But the the thing was, is that I didn't know that I was programming at that time. And so when it got time to go to college, um, I looked at the computer science classes and was like, oh, I like computers. Maybe I should do that. And then read the course descriptions and said, this sounds awful. I have no idea what this is talking about. I'm going to go to the social sciences, uh, which I felt like I could relate more to. And uh, so I, I went uh, to college for sociology, which I adore, um, and kept kind of like tinkering in my free time. So I learned a little bit of WordPress in college, and then I ended up uh, working at tech companies, doing like marketing kind of things during the summer. So I kind of always had this like one foot in the door, knowing that like, okay, I want to do something computery. I don't know what that is. I'm going to keep building websites and then go to my gender studies classes, for example. Um, and then after college, I worked at Engine Yard for a little while where I started doing uh, community and dev relations, like you mentioned. And kind of same thing, like I was suddenly surrounded by engineers all the time and I was still feeling like I, I wanted to um, kind of, I guess, do more technical work. And so... I, uh, you know, met all these great people that were very encouraging about me continuing to spend my free time learning how to program and uh, kind of just giving me the confidence to realize that I could do it in the first place. Like, it was honestly through community work and, like, meeting all these different types of people 
where I finally started recognizing myself in other engineers. Um, and so, like, I, I didn't realize that that I could be an engineer because, it, like, when I went in college to these computer science classes, like, no one looked like me or had interests similar to me. And so I, they kind of felt mutually exclusive until I started going to conferences, um, you know, where I met, like, the two of you, for example, and just me- meeting different types of people and realizing that, like... I could still be the same person. So this is getting kind of long-winded. But (laughs) um, in short, I realized that a lot of my favorite parts of the work that I did as a community manager was like kind of technical and and building processes and working with engineers and making things less manual. And I just decided that I wanted to be doing more technical work. I wanted to be more involved with the product. And on the other side of it though too, and this relates to the talk, is that I, I wanted job security and the lifestyle that that programming allowed me to, to have where I have better work-life balance now and I can, you know, afford to take care of myself and go on vacation and things like that. So it's been pretty good. It's interesting. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about like, um, it sounds like you did do some educational, like a, like a course thing, something like that. Can you tell us a little about that? Like the boot camp? Or? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went to Hackbright, which is a all-women's uh, yeah, boot camp in San Francisco. I had gone there partially one. Um, I realized that I learned I needed a classroom environment, and I was kind of tired of learning isolated uh, on my own. And so I went to some coworkers and some of our leadership at New Relic and Engineering and talked to them about what the best, like, course uh for me to take would be and uh they recommended hackbright basically mm-hmm. uh both because it's nice to be as a, like a, a lady it is nice to be in a learning environment with other uh women just to like create a sense of like i don't know solidarity and vulnerability mm-hmm. uh yeah and uh how did that work out was was when you said uh, like, did you say to your boss, like, I hate this job. You need to give me another one. <laughs> Suck it. Uh, no, or how did no. that all work out? Like, how'd you make that transition? I'm sure think? there might be some people listening who'd be interested to hear about that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so I was super lucky in that I had been working at uh, New Relic and I basically talked to my boss and went to the VP of engineering and then talked to the head of HR and, and mentioned that, you know, I, I love working for New Relic. Um, I see my career heading in a different direction than what I'm currently working on and how can I like follow this new path that I, that I want to without leaving the company. And, uh, so we arranged for our, me to take a leave of absence, uh, while I was in school mm-hmm. and that was for three months. And then, uh, when I finished the program, I interviewed, uh, up in Portland in the engineering office and, uh, Luckily, it worked out. There you go. So if not, you would be uh, working at one of those hippie dispensaries. <laughs> Possibly, yes. Mm-hmm. Chris, are you out getting a drink? No, I, I was here listening. I was just adding stuff to the notes. Yeah, adding stuff to the notes. That's right. Mm-hmm. Nice note-taking. Yeah, good job, buddy. 
one of us has to stay on top of it. Yeah, that's true. That's so, so in the boot camp, can you describe us a little bit about like what was the curriculum like? Because everyone wants to hear uh, what stuff you studied so that they can say that was the wrong thing. Um, So I think Hackbyte publishes their curriculum online. Mm -hmm. I went, this was about a year ago, so I don't super remember, but Hackbyte focuses on Python Mm -hmm. and JavaScript. Um, We go into some, I guess, object-oriented design, and we did do a little bit of uh, testing, so Chris, you'll be happy about that. Um, gosh, what else did we do? Um, it was pretty project based. So the first half of the summer you spend kind of learning about like basic computer science topics like strings and arrays and hashes and so forth. Um, and the second half of the summer is where you like build out a project, uh, that you then demo to a bunch of companies at the end of the summer. Nice. Mm -hmm. And, And so you demoed it and it was, uh, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something funny that would be, say, uh, Uber for skateboards. Uh, <laughs> no, I wish I had a tagline for that. I ended good. up building a, uh, it was like a Craigslist scraper so that you could find housing based on commute time. Oh, okay. And that is explicitly, uh, you're not supposed to do that with Craigslist terms of service, I believe. <laughs> no. So okay. I probably shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> right. Well, I guess if you didn't release it, I don't know, maybe it's okay. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But I'll, but a, a technical challenge for sure. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, uh, that's cool. And so when you come back and they're like, "All right, kids, show me what you got," and you know, and they're starting like swinging, they're like spinning guns around like a gunslinger and stuff like that. Um, how was that stuff? Like, did you have to like interview again at the gig, or how did that all yeah. go? And and so I yeah, did. what was that like? Yeah, so I interviewed at a few different places, but, um, you know, I kind of knew that I wanted to go back to New Relic just because we have a pretty strong culture. I knew my coworkers already, um, but I did. I I had to interview, and uh, so luckily there were a few spots open, um, but I ended up interviewing for a spot on an internal services team, and I went through all the same, same regular interview process with like or having to submit my resume doing a uh, pair programming challenge uh, what else did they have me do it was pretty um seemed pretty standard to me oh man i don't i don't miss those days i'll tell you that much my wife was even yeah. asking me when she asked me when's the last time i you i actually got a job where i had to like apply and go to interviews <laughs> and do the whiteboarding stuff. And I can think of only one in the last little bit when I was at Cinecore. They had me come down to Buffalo and do some stuff. But I don't yeah, – at this point in my career, I definitely don't miss uh, the constantly uh, constantly having to prove myself during the interview um, part of the process. Uh, l- luckily, both Ed and I are, have kind of accumulated enough uh, – I'm not sure what the, quite, what the, the correct phrase is. Proof is not the right word, but like – Reputation or something, just basically, Ed, where we don't have to actually like do the interview, do the whiteboard, prove that we know all the things because we've found other ways to prove it, I guess. Uh, yeah. it's, it's being awesomely privileged is what it means. Well, <laughs> of, awesome. of course, there is that too, but it's, I'm, I'm trying to think of a label other than awesomely privileged because that covers, that covers I think, I think way too many awesome. parts. 
way too many parts of our life are, are awesomely privileged. We need to narrow it down to the labor side of the equation. Well, can you can you just say awesome? Like, because yeah, you're just awesome, they're just like, oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we want you to work here. Yes, so that's Duh. true. Yeah, we are awesome. That's true. All right, please, please, Noel, continue. Um... I don't know what I was continuing on. <laughs> I think that was probably it. So, so what sort of stuff do you do for the internal services team? Oh, sure. So, um, well, I'm on a new team now, um, and I work on APM, which is kind of New Relic's flagship product, I guess. And I just started on that team about a month ago. So not much yet. Right. So you're just hanging out, kind of waiting for somebody to tell you to do something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, mostly I've been learning. uh, I'm learning React for the first time right now Mm -hmm. and uh, trying to get familiar with our. We own like a few different services, so trying to be familiar with um, the new code bases and then preparing for the open source bridge talk from last week. Yeah, and why don't you talk a little bit about like where. Because if I remember, this is the first time you've given a talk at a conference, you've attended many. You know, been a little plenty of them. This is the first time you've given a talk, and and what motivated you to make a talk proposal? One moment. Mm-hmm. Um. So part of it, I mean, this actually speaking at a conference was kind of a goal of mine for next year, and yeah. so I kind of applied on a whim, um, mm-hmm. and that's partially because the topic of career development and and changing careers and managing work-life balance had been on my mind a lot, having made like a major career change. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of it too is that I've been to Open Source Bridge now twice, and it's just, it's such an awesome conference. I felt like if I was going to explore this subject anywhere, like this would be the perfect audience. So I applied totally on a whim just based off of, I've been having a lot of conversations about this lately. Maybe Mm -hmm. someone else would be interested in hearing about it too. And then I got accepted and then was like, Oh shit. Now I need to actually write the talk. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Right. Yep. Slide driven development. We taught that. Um, yeah. You know, actually have to do stuff because you have to make a presentation. Well, so tell me a little bit. What are some of those conversations you were having that led to what this talk was and what was when and what was about? Yeah. So, you know, I had made this big career transition over the last year going from DevRel to engineering. And I had somewhat of a hard time initially, like figuring out where my boundaries were with work and like personal life stuff, like my hobbies. And part of it was just, you know, people started asking me about like side projects that I was working on or languages I was learning or meetups I was going to. And I, they just started wanting to know a little bit more about my free time. And I started feeling like there was all, there were all these expectations of me to do stuff outside of work. And in my head, you know, I, I got a lot of really well-intentioned advice from people that wanted me to succeed but like for me I had just gone through this major life change and was feeling you know really excited and confident but also a little bit overwhelmed and you know wanting to spend time like playing music and hiking and doing all the other stuff in my life that I like to do and so I would talk about this with my coworkers, um just about like how they manage work-life balance and whether or not they go to meetups and so forth and how often they go to conferences. And, uh, you know, luckily I have a pretty solid peer group here 
in Portland and, and at New Relic in general of people that are much more, um, I guess just balanced. Like they, they, they know what they want to do outside of work with regards to like, maybe they go to like one meetup or two meetups a month, but they're also really open about, you know, having a life outside of work. And Mm -hmm. so that helped me a lot. I got you. Yeah. And so what do you think, why do you think it is that people started asking you those kinds of questions when it's like, Oh, Hey, I'm a developer now, you know, or I, (laughs) yeah, I do. I'm a developer. And, And so why do you think that is? Um, well, so part of it, you know, is, I think is pretty well intentioned. It's, it's people wanting, you know, to give advice and to say like, Hey, you know, if you spend time on side projects, you're going to build your hashtag personal brand, or Mm -hmm. you're going to be more employable, especially being early, like quote unquote early on in, in my career. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I have less of a portfolio to draw from with engineering. So I, I think a lot of it's well intentioned, but otherwise I think it's, it just seems kind of embedded in the culture. Um, I'm not sure. Like even before I was doing engineering, like people would talk about that a lot. Um, I don't know. It it just seems like there's a lot of emphasis on like personal brand and like building your personal portfolio or something. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Do you, you know, one thing I've often wondered about is that it seems like to me compared to some other folks and and I, and my, I I lack some perspective on this because I've been a developer pretty much my whole working life. And so I don't have as much uh, understanding of kind of what it's like outside that. But the impression I've kind of gotten is that developers tend to self-identify as the way I always put it is that they don't say that my job is a developer. They say I am a developer or I am a programmer. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And, and so it's, it's not the expectation is very much like, it's not just something that you do. And then you are a complex person who has other things going on and your work is not necessarily the singular, most important thing that you do in your life. And, um, but I think that for a lot of people, there's kind of an expectation. And there's also there's a, a, a mode of thinking that that's a very desirable trait to have. Mm-hmm. And would you uh, maybe is a good time if you talk a little bit more about so, you know, what are some of the things that you, you do in this talk that you gave? And perhaps other people would want to hear this. I don't I don't remember if they how much recording they did at Open Source Bridge. I think they did audio recording, at least. And I don't know if they'll. Uh, Mm. Uh, if and when they might release that. But um, I know it got really good feedback. So I think that mm-hmm. it would be a great thing to, for more people to hear. But um, mm-hmm. I, maybe you could talk about sort of, I don't know, what's your thesis for the for the talk and, uh, and, and, and how do you get there, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Just, just go ahead and give your talk and I'll just hang out <laughs> for the next 40 minutes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't know if I can go through the whole entire thing, but <laughs> I, I think it, it can kind of be condensed, uh, relative, relatively well in that overall, what I'm trying to get at is that 
there's the set of expectations in the tech industry, and especially I'd say for software developers, that we need to use our free time doing work-related extracurriculars, so the meetup side projects, conferences, blah, 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 to advance in our careers. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people that have done really well this way, but the problem is that when we expect that of everyone, we're leaving out a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. and so it's not really like a sustainable way forward uh, for everyone. And it certainly isn't a way to uh, increase the diversity in this industry. Um, and so I, I wanted to think about, you know, why these expectations exist and what they're actually getting at so that we can talk about ways to advance your career without necessarily succumbing to that. Um, but overall, um, a lot of it is just changing the way that you think about how you want to advance your career and, and thinking about what you actually want. And so for me, I, one of the things that I realize is that I don't really care about being the best programmer in the whole world. You know, I care about my job, I care about my team, and I want to do really good work. But at the end of the day, I care equally as much, if not perhaps slightly more, about being a like generally healthy person, about being a good musician or being well-traveled and being a good friend and family member. And so when I established those boundaries, it really helped me put into perspective that I shouldn't really be spending more than an hour or two per week on these work-related extracurriculars. Um because that's the kind of person I want to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of it is changing the, the way that you think about how to get ahead. Um, but there's also tactical things that you can do. And what I've started to do is just try to use the time that I have at work uh, more wisely by pairing with others or seeking out like mentors, joining book clubs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, Right. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Chris, are you back yeah. from your booze run? I am. Hey, that's exciting. <laughs> that's exciting. You know, Chris, I think it's you do, I know, a lot of extracurriculars. But at the same time, you also, um, and I, you also do non-sort of personal branding extracurriculars. And you also have made sure to carve out, uh, and, and I would say it seems like restrict the amount of time that you spend giving to an employer. Is that, do you think oh. that's accurate to say that? Uh, yes, I would say that's entirely accurate. Okay, okay. Um, I uh, I, th- I was just wondering, you know, kind of what you're thinking of that that idea that it's important that, um, you know, the import or if your thoughts on the, put that the import that we put on in this industry and in developers spending large amounts of their time or really making their top priority always. Uh, personal branding and career focus and, um, you know, doing activities outside that are necessarily related to the job that they have or improving their ability to get other jobs that are the same or things like that. I was just curious about kind of what are your, do you have some thoughts on that? Uh, I have lots of thoughts. I would love to hear a couple of them. Um, So before we get into that, let's, let's, Let's um, take another look at this from a different perspective. In in many ways, a lot of what we would label as um, white-collar jobs are ones where the people who hold them are oftentimes uh, very much encouraged to continue to do that sort of stuff outside of 
regular work hours. Uh, you know, overtime, um, taking work home, doing things in the evening. Um, these are all things I've never believed in. I never thought were necessary. But um, people, I, I think you. I mean, I don't want to label some people in a weird way, but a lot of this is misguided loyalty, right? Mm. A lot of ways people people want to believe that all this effort that they put into their job is going to be rewarded with something beyond a paycheck. And programmers are no different than that. I know lots of programmers who are, you know, up late in the evenings working on stuff that is like part of their day job. And and I'm not talking about people who are maybe working for themselves or things like that. Um, it's see, just, I've never been, I, I, I guess you can look at, I was fortunate enough to learn the realities of uh, employer loyalty very early in my career, and it pissed me off so much that I vowed to never get taken advantage that way ever again um, by people like that. So, it, I mean, you look at you like people are encouraged to work super long hours, and, and I've always been one of these people that has the that that takes the position that's uncomfortable for a lot of people and saying that if you find yourself constantly working 10, 12 hours a day, the problem is you. It's Mm. Nobody's job is the number of people who whose time should be spent doing all that stuff is is really small. The types of jobs where you need to do that sort of stuff is really really small. Doctors, um, uh, um, law enforcement, um, uh, fire and safety people. Those are people who uh, at, at any given time can be yanked out of whatever they're doing and off to go do something. For the most part, really really super important. Um, but people want to believe. People want uh, people. People, you know, what's that common saying? Nobody's the villain of their own story. People always want to think that they're doing like heroic work. They're doing. They're this. I'm so sick of this. Like we're going to disrupt the world. It's like, man, you can't even disrupt your own. You're all you're doing is disrupting your own life. You're not disrupting the world. Um, so, so early on, I had the you know. I was involved working for places that just clearly just didn't give a shit about their employees, and I was like, okay. This is how it's going to be in this industry. That's fine. I'm going to look after me. I'm going to do. I'm going to do good work for my employers. I'm going to put lots of effort into the work that I do for my employers. But um, when I punch out, that's it. When I'm done my work for the day, worked out all the stuff that I've been asked to do. Um, yeah, I'm done, and I'm going to go do my own thing. Um, as I explained in the talk that I gave the last little bit, um, you know. Even before Ed started discussing his own uh, issues with uh, with mental health, I made a determination that my own mental health was more important than anything else. Um, I didn't care how bad I was going to suffer professionally. I was like, I'm not going to grind myself into the ground um, to be a programmer. Just there's, it's not worth it. It's um, it's it's just simply not worth it. Um, so I get very um, anxious when I see my friends working crazy hours. There's a few people I follow on Twitter who are like, I watch them try to judge. The ridiculous, ridiculous amounts of work that they do, and I want to tell them you're killing yourself, and you're destroying your own happiness, and you're coming up with excuses about why you're doing this. Um, you know, uh, I've read stuff about uh, you know about uh, workaholics and things like that, and, and a lot of people are working all these hours to. Sometimes they're working all these hours to hide um, their own fear, imposter syndrome, um, writ very large. If you just keep working all the time, people will think that you're good. Um, there's yeah. also people also people who work tons and tons of hours because, frankly, they're actually incompetent at what they're doing. So they have to work. 
Yeah, I know Noel's laughing, but this is, mm-hmm. I've known people like this who work these ridiculous hours just simply because they just literally don't know how to do their job properly. And I've always I've always believed that, you know, if you do if you're doing your job properly, um, you're going home um, at a reasonable time. Um, because again, like uh, my situ my own home situation, working from home, family. All that stuff meant that work was not going to own me. I just wasn't going to let it uh, do that. And I really don't think at this point in my career, if I look back at it, the personal suffering I went through to make this happen, yeah, there was a couple rough years where I tried to figure out how I was going to make everything work within that framework. But now I've got it down pat. And, um, you know, give it an interesting thing. We talk about uh, hobbies because I do, uh, Ed's right, I do do a lot of non-programming related things outside of work. I have hobbies. I have other things I do. So I was at my favorite store playing Magic on Friday, uh, last Friday, and we were talking about how one of these, uh, as I've explained to Ed before, there is a, a professional tour of players who make like less than what you would make as a manager working at McDonald's in the US uh, and that's what the top people make and I said it's a shame that people want to want to cheat for such really small amounts of money and someone goes like dude $40,000 prize for winning the pro tours like a lot of money I'm like dude I make that in like three months at my job it's, it's and I work way less and way like I work way fewer hours and work at my job way less than these people do um so, yeah, $40,000, it's not a lot of money. Most of these people are working for below minimum wage. So it's about perspective, too. It's understanding that you can have a very fruitful career and you can get very well compensated and have a very comfortable life and you do not have to work 70 hours a week. You do not have to buy into the hype, buy into the Protestant work ethic, work, 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 work. Um, uh, my experiences working with people um, is that uh, talent trumps everything. You cannot hard work your way out of stupidity. You cannot hard work your way out of a lack of skills. It just doesn't work. You either have the talent to do this type of work, to get things done on a schedule that others have asked you to do, or you don't. And no amount of 80, 90 hour working weekends, working until your entire personal life suffers will make up for that. I mean, I'll, I'll fight people about that until um, the day that I die, because I am proof that you can be super successful and not kill yourself working. Plain and simple. Yeah, and that and that sound you hear, that's a mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> and I would add add too that like so there's you know you either have talent or you don't, but it's also about like do you have the drive to learn too? Because I don't I don't think I don't think you necessarily implied this, but I don't really see talent as like completely innate. Uh, I think people have the ability to like learn and grow and change. Yes, I know. I, I agree. I think the I think the number one attribute for having a successful career doing programming is mm-hmm. exactly what you point out the 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 ability to learn. It's like um, yeah, iterative, right? Where you do something, you make yeah. a mistake, you figure out the mistake that you made, and you say, okay, I don't want to do that again, and you just keep looping through, learning little bits and stuff. And then one day, like when I, I mean, we we talked about the the book that got promoted, the minimum viable test. Uh, at some point, I sat down and said let's do a catalog of everything that I had to learn in order to get good at testing. And I was just astonished at how much stuff I just simply internalized and had learned over the years. And so, but you're right. Uh, that The number one trait is, is the willingness to learn. Um, 
you have to be self-taught. You have to be willing to teach yourself how to do these things um, because, I, I mean, for the most part, programming culture is not a super supportive one of, of giving people time to learn things. Uh, most places, just you're just a cog in a wheel and so sad. you're expected to get your shit done. Um, and, uh, and the idea that, so, you know, that, there's that old joke, you know, um, what if we train our people and they leave? And then, you know, the corresponding answer to that is, well, what if we don't train them and they stay? Um, <laughs> a lot of people are still really, really stuck in that first mode of thinking. They're like, why should I train my people to get better when they could just leave? And and uh, I, I think I think for me, I've done a very good job of identifying uh, of identifying ahead of time uh, companies and individuals who are likely to have that mindset, and I just avoid them because it's that's, that's not that's not what I want. I want I want to work for people that value the things that I do, understand the things I'm trying to do for them, and let me set me some good challenges and let me tackle those and be okay uh, with the final outcome of all that. Because nothing's worse than working for somebody that doesn't believe in you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So how's that? So how's that, Ed? Did you like that? I like that. I like that. I like the little back and forth. I like that I'm talking. I like the ways it's going down. I like it. Now, Noelle, you like to shred in your spare time. You like to really tear it up the guitar. <laughs> and like, I don't think she does. I don't think she does that style of music, as far as I can tell. No, it's all but... like arpeggios and like Ingve Malmsteen kind of shit. Yeah, I'm not That's... not quite a metalhead, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I play um, I've played in some folk bands, and I recently, uh, in the realm of work life balance, started taking drum lessons for fun too. Nice. Yeah. Right. So you mean like like a thing where like you figured out how to like write Python code to like make an Arduino thing that would like trigger drums <laughs> or something like that, right? That's what you mean? Not quite, but that's not a bad idea. No, see why not? I know. It's, it's good you'll combine it. And then you can put that put that up on GitHub and that'll help you out with your portfolio. Oh exactly. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Uh what, you got some uh, music out or something like that? Tell us about it. Oh man. <laughs> uh yeah, well when I it was it was like very casual. When I was uh living in the Bay Area I played in a few different bands. Mm-hmm. Um and we mainly just like played on the street and would use whatever money we made to go get sandwiches after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah, I played in like a little folk trio called the Weather Veins for a bit and then I played in a another kind of folky band called Sweet Wait, what were we called? Sugar Pines. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, it's pretty fun. Cool. So you uh, played on the street and begged for money. Perhaps. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Part All right. of this was in college, so yeah, definitely had a little bit of a starving student mentality. Yeah, you need that money. You need that money. So, can I hear this on Pandora, or is that uh, a thing? Um, it wasn't that big. I think there might still be links on um, Bandcamp was what we had. We never oh. really recorded much. I gotcha. Okay. So, uh, like, are you doing any, like, musical projects right now? Or is it just, like, that you're doing kind of just dinkling here and there? Yeah. No, I'm, I've mostly just been taking lessons for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh and I, I just moved to Portland last fall, and so I haven't really met people up here to play music with yet, but maybe someday. That's a good point. So what's it like transitioning from uh, San Francisco area to uh, Portland area, Portland. which is now quickly trying its hardest to catch up in terms of cost of living? Ugh, it is trying very hard. Um, it's It's been great. Like The way I've described it to family when I go home and visit is that it's been dreamy. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, like I like to work now every day. It takes me like 10 minutes instead of an hour. People are generally friendlier. I go hiking pretty much every weekend because it's just stupidly beautiful out here. So it's been, it's been pretty great. And of course the food is delicious as well. And the beer is good. So not much to complain about. That sounds a lot like where Chris lives. Ah, nice. Wait, Toronto? Outside Toronto. No, I'm out in the burbs. Hey, I did see our, our friendly neighborhood drug dealer walking around, still with a limp. So it looks like the when he sh- <laughs> when, looks like he when he shot himself in the leg, it didn't heal properly. So oh, okay. Yeah, during the big SWAT team takedown, he shot himself. So it was kind of cool. Oof. So he shot himself. Yeah, shot himself in the leg. Tried to sh- tried to shoot off the. Um, uh, tried to shoot off uh, the monitoring bracelet he had on. Good times. I guess that's an approach. That is one approach. Definitely is. <laughs> that guy's such a fucking moron. Yeah. So that's cool. You got your family there with around uh, around that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chris is always telling me the, how much he likes uh, his neighbors. So it's probably like that. <laughs> probably. <sighs> Some of my neighbors are actually okay. Yeah. So, are you going to get to go to True North PHP? Who? No. <laughs> well, I well, I better. Well I, well, I better be going because I help organize it. So, if I don't show up, that might be kind of bad. But yeah, it's Noel. You have to do it. Ah, uh, um, no, nope. I, I'm not going to be there. Unfortunately, you I should haven't. Submit like, your talk. Actually, isn't it too late? It's way too late. Ah, uh, shit. Yeah. That is. Oh well. Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. I would say next time, but this is the last one, right? This is the last one. Mm-hmm. Chris is not actually going to leave the house after this. Oh, no, wow. I am, I am going to leave the house. I'm just going to be doing different it's things. It's your last chance to see him unless you come to him. I mean, last chance a... to ever see me that I'm going to grow like a big Howard Hughes beard or something. Oh, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> there was a dude who, like a new guy who showed up to the open source meeting today who had a beard to defeat all beards. And yeah, actually, I actually trimmed my beard down a little bit because it was getting out of control. But uh, well, we have a guy who is has, shaves his head and has a beard that is about a foot long, like a regular guy. He's there all the time. His name's Joe. Joe, real nice guy. Hmm. Is that like a na- is like a native last name or something? <laughs> no, his name is Joe Klein. Oh. Uh, but um, but then uh, this guy shows up today and he defeated Joe. In terms of beard size, like just volume, um, I would say just shape and form. Uh, it was it was pretty impressive. You know, on the, you know, I did notice when I was at Mozilla at the work group, <coughs> I saw way fewer beards than I did back in when I was in Orlando. So maybe really? the pendulum's swinging back the other way, fewer, fewer, because it kind of feels like the hipster thing is is almost completely played out now. Really? Yeah, that's what it kind of feels like to me. Not um, in Portland. It's like, you know, because, you know, Noel, it's like it's on like a bell curve. Okay, so you're like in Portland where there's still a much higher concentration of hipsters than like other uh, other parts of North America. But mm-hmm. I have noticed in terms of like facial hairstyling, I'm seeing more and more uh, uh, 
clean-shaven or uh, carefully tended stubble types than uh, uh, than beards. Like especially the Mozilla thing, I noticed there were far fewer beards in a, in attendance um, than last time. So it's maybe just catching. Maybe I'm just catching the catching the first wave of where people are swinging back to. Uh, of course, watching uh, soccer as well. The European Cup. A lot of the soccer players are at the leading edge of uh, both facial hair and regular hairstyles, and I've noticed the uh, the fresh and coiffed look is very much in for uh, for the football players this yep. year. Very noticed. Well, very nice. I've noticed some very nicely styled hair, and the, you know, of course, I've been bald for a very long time, so I have no idea about the quality of hair products these days. But I've noticed it's pretty impressive that some of these nice hairdos stay together despite these guys running like you know eight or nine kilometers in the uh, in ninety minutes. That their hair is still perfectly in place by the end. Very, it's very impressive. It is impressive. It's yeah. very impressive. I think David Beckham was at like the leading edge of that sort of stuff. Yep. <laughs> I saw the craziest video of him today where he was on a beach on vacation somewhere mm-hmm. and he somebody dared him to do something. So there were three soccer balls and there were three garbage cans that were like maybe like three quarters of a football field away yeah. and dude sank three consecutive shots into the garbage pails. It wasn't photoshopped or like altered or anything. Dude just kicked them. He's like, all right, I'll do it. So he's like, size it up and you watch him kick it. Boom, right into the garbage can. Then right into the other garbage can and then into the third one. It was very, very impressive. That's, t- that's called working on your personal brand. Oh, yeah. David Beckham. He's a guy who understood personal branding before a lot of other people did. We need to be the uh, soccer stars of web development. Well, one of us is already, Ed. That's a good point. Yes. Did they ever talk about personal branding at Hackbrite, Noel? <laughs> um, gosh, probably at some point. We had a bunch of uh, like career workshops at the end, but uh, not too much. No, Noel sounds too nice to like get into the personal branding to the depth that I have. She's just too nice a person. <laughs> yeah, the pure, unadulterated uh, drive and greed. <laughs> I don't know. It just makes me tired. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Wow, making money doesn't make me tired. So that's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, this dark and stormy is so good. Let's keep going. Yep. <laughs> so, are you going to try to take this talk on the road? What are you doing? Yeah, you know what? This, like you said, this is my first conference talk, and so I'm like pretty stoked about it. I'm really happy with like the conversations that it spurred and I definitely want to like keep submitting it or at least like keep having conversations about it. But I haven't really decided where or when or anything because this all was kind of a surprise to me. So if you have any ideas on where I should submit, feel free to let me know. Well, you know, well, it's funny that you bring that up. There is this thing that <laughs> a friend of the PHP community, Cal Evans, does called the, uh, C- yes. called the CFP report. So if you if, if you are serious about thinking about taking the, taking the show on the road, um, mm-hmm. go sign up, subscribe, and then uh, once a week uh, you get an email in your inbox about all sorts of other uh, conferences that their call for papers are open, um, usually with a little blurb about uh, the event, where it's going to be held, um, what sort of things do they do for their speakers, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. So I, I found it very, very uh, useful to keep track of uh, um, keep track of like when uh, when conferences are happening. Because Lord knows, every time a conference comes, the the call for papers closes. Twitter gets full. Oh my god, I forgot. Blah, 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 yeah. conf. I'm like, man, there's this thing called a fucking calendar. You should use it once in a while. Yeah. yeah, that's what he says. 
Um, yeah, CFP report's really good. My experience has been that, and two, that because this is not a talk where it's like, how do I write, yeah. write performant React apps or some crap like that? Um, it is just impossible to tell because it, yep. it, it, it it's based on, I mean, the description of the conference could be the most super technical sounding one, and it just is like, do the organizers think that what you're going to talk about is important? And they will fit you in or not. I mean, that's mm. just so. It's really kind of it's it's luck of the draw. I mean, there's some conferences that are explicitly talk more about non-technical issues inside this community. Um, yeah. But the but ones that do not have that explicitness about it, I as far as I can tell, it is a crapshoot. Um, I mean, you get to know like which ones and like what organizers and stuff are more interested in hearing about stuff you want to talk about, but. It can be very, like, not clear. Like, I, you know, it, things can read like, well, this is not a conference that sounds like they're interested in what I want have to say. Like, they don't yeah. mention anything about careers or they don't mention anything about soft skills or whatever. And then they, they'll take your talk. It's so it's just like, oh, okay, sure, you know. Yeah. That's why I always appreciate when conferences list, like, on their CFP when they give, like, kind of sample themes or questions mm-hmm. that they want to have uh, answered because mm-hmm. it's super helpful. In fact, that's what prompted me to write this talk is I was reading mm-hmm. about OS feels, which is happening in a few weeks in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had like this whole like list of questions of talks that they wanted to hear about. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of exactly what I've been thinking about. Right. And so I ended up submitting it to open source bridge, um, unrelatedly, but, uh, uh-huh. yeah, I think that'd be super helpful. What did you get to OS- get into OS feels? I didn't actually, but, uh, so I submitted, (laughs) no, it's going to be a good conference, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I was, the talk was accepted at open source bridge and at right speak code, which was in Chicago last week. And I did not go because of family travel stuff, but not bad for my first, uh, talk submission. A a friend of ours did go to that. Uh, in fact, went to regret code and then went to OS bridge. You know, your, our friend, Emily, uh, she went to, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, she went to that too. So she could tell you all about it. Just ask her. Yeah, I've heard good things about that. Yeah, comment. Emily on Facebook, like like her anxiety level was like cranked up to like uh, Finkler levels. When yeah, you know, her- those might not all be public posts, buddy. Well, whatever, man. She would post them. <laughs> I don't care. You don't I want think- people to talk about your shit. Don't post. It was just very interesting watching like uh, how uh, just. The stress, like it's just a thing that I haven't felt that way in, in years and years and years. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. at conferences, it's again, it's like when I sat down and talked about all the testing stuff. Yeah, how much I internalized, and then conference stuff. It's like, yeah, the things that annoy me are like, man, these guys aren't going to come pick me up at the airport. Like just Emily's experiences, they were very, very interesting, um, and just it was kind of like, yeah, I, ha- I had completely forgotten. What yeah, it was like, yeah. what it was like to feel overwhelmed like that, you know. And it's mm-hmm. totally understandable. First time she's given talks uh, at conferences, and then she's doing two like almost back to back. It's like, yep, I can see why that stress level would be mm-hmm. ramped up to to uh, thirteen hundred mazillion. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's pretty intense. Yep. So you were freaking out. Well, I remember you were throwing up in the hallways, <laughs> <Yeah>. and 
I did freak out, kind of. I oh, mean, really? I spent, uh, yeah, I was laughing because I think I found out I got accepted like maybe five weeks before the conference, and I was like, oh my God. Like, oh, that's pretty I last minute. Five weeks to work on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought so too, but then apparently all my speaker friends were like, oh, please. Like, I've written a talk in a week before. You're going to be fine. Oh, and, in, yeah, uh, in terms of how much time <laughs> it is to create the talk, I actually don't think it's that short. But in terms of uh, telling you ahead of time, I think that's uh, not that's not much time. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. Uh, it was a little short notice. So yeah, just fine. because I hadn't written the talk before, it was it was a little yeah. scary. And it's always and it's, it it is different if you haven't. You know, like I have a kind of a decent idea of like what works in my like voice and and tone and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So like the talk that I did on graph databases, mm-hmm. I would say I probably spent eight. I mean, obviously, I spent more time thinking about it too. Maybe. Maybe a week, yeah. a week of thinking and then also writing stuff down in total. Uh-huh. So I'd say it was about that. It wasn't like a crazy amount of time. Um, but you, you just do it a bunch and you kind of get used to it. And if you don't do it, you haven't done it a bunch, it's hard. To, you're kind of like, well, there's all this stuff that to me seems like, well, it's no big deal. There's like you, I've already figured that out and that's fine. But un- un- unless you're doing it a lot, it doesn't seem... Like there's there's a lot. I mean, I can gloss over a bunch of stuff that I don't have to think about anymore. But it's only yeah. I only do that because I have done it a bunch. And so if somebody who's kind of newer at it is going to be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, yeah, and that's why uh, one of the reasons why it's helpful to have beginners around, right? Because they absolutely. remind you of stuff like that. Yes, it's extremely helpful. Chris hates beginners. Uh, I do not hate beginners. Uh, does not mentor hates mentoring. Hates mentoring people. Um, yeah, all the time I'm like, why can't you figure this out? Come on. Right. He, yeah. Are you not mentoring right now? You don't have a Padawan, do you? Uh, I I don't. I had someone I was uh, speaking with, and then some crazy shit happened where they work, and Oops. Uh, well, that's okay. It's not not my fault, and. Uh, well, that wasn't why I said oops. <laughs> I was concerned, uh, more concerned about them, and I was like, "Well, I didn't do it." So no, fuck no, they're it. They, no, they're okay. They've okay, good. They're I'm doing fine. It's good. it's not the problem. It so right. yeah, no, nobody right now. Okay, um, but I do. I mean, I do talk to people all the time. I do get lots of emails from folks asking me questions about mm-hmm. stuff, and uh, I I basically answer every email that's. Um, sent to me, although I, I do know lately I've had to get a little bit more aggressive with um, uh, blocking people on Twitter because every time it comes out I work for Mozilla, I get people think who somehow think that I'm in charge of the browser itself mm. and start like, you know, <laughs> oh, can you make it so Firefox doesn't spike uh, CPU 100%? My, my, my standard answer is, well, uh, there's usually three. It's like the first one is, well, I don't actually work on the browser. I'm like, then number two, you probably have some stupid fucking extension you're using, and number three, fuck you, you're blocked. So those are kind of my three different answers. But yeah, tweeting at me, uh, Herb Derp, why don't you fix Firefox? I'm like, Herb Derp, you can go into Blockland because, you know, I don't give a shit about your particular problem. So, Oh, I used to have fun in Blockland. I mean, Blockland can be fun, but yeah, just, but yeah, so no, in a roundabout way, no, I, uh, I know Ed is joking, but I am a, I am a big believer in mentoring. I wish I had actually had somebody um, at the places that I worked who could have mentored me. Instead, I had to figure everything out uh, myself, which isn't always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I try to give back by doing it that way, by mentoring people, helping people out, answering emails, talking to people. Um, 
I end up usually when I'm at a conference, I usually spend a non-trivial amount of time um, talking to people because I tell everybody very truthfully at the end of the end of my talks, I'm like, I am here. I'm not hopping in my car and driving away as soon as I'm done with my talk. That's I will what, be here. That's what I do. Uh, well, no, you hide in your hotel room. That's different. Also, and, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Uh, I'm more than happy to talk to people at whatever conference I go to. And I do spend a lot of time talking to people about everything. I tell them, we can talk about what I talked about. We can talk about other things you have, other questions. Um, if I don't know the answer, uh, I usually know somebody that does. And I'm glad to point uh, you in their direction. So um, I find that part very, very fulfilling. There's As a programmer, there's there's not a lot of ways to really like give back, like to kind of say uh, I'm happy that I've chosen this as a profession, and I'm happy that there are all these tools that I can use for free. Um, and if you don't have the technical chops to do things like contribute patches to your programming language you use or the tools that you use, um, the best way to get back, uh, get back, not get back. It's not about revenge. Uh, to give back, <laughs> to get back all the fuckers. Get, uh, to give back is to uh, teach people stuff and be very open and say, hey, you know, if you have a problem, I'm I'm happy to talk about almost anything with people. There's um, very few topics that I won't uh, go into. The only topics I really won't go into is stuff about, um, I I don't want to talk about, I'm forbidden about talking about is my wife pretty much, but, and and some stuff with my kids, but pretty much everything else is open. I've been very open about my jobs, about my experiences, about money, about all that stuff, because I have found it's very helpful. And if I can educate like one person and make their life a little bit easier, then I feel like uh, I can be like George W. Bush and say, mission accomplished. Prematurely. So that's great. Um, Yeah. And for me, for me as well, it is usually prematurely mission accomplished for them, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mentoring is good. I'm glad I got involved in it. Um, it's I, I found it very, very rewarding. Mentor good. Mentor good. Hoarding it knowledge bad. Is good. Uh, so, I, I don't know. This feels like a pretty good little episode we got here, guys. Maybe uh, tie a bow on it. If you want, I could talk about some sponsors. Yeah, go ahead and do the sponsor shout out. And then we'll thank Noel. Then we will thank <laughs> Noel. Not before that. So, we got Wonder Network. Purveyors of fine networks that exist all over the world in Germany, in Bangladesh, I think, in Indonesia, in parts of Africa that I've forgotten, in Peru, in Canada. Exotic lands. <laughs> Websites. What do they look like if I'm there? I want it to speak Russian to them. Will it? Find out, won't you? Wondernetwork.com. And then grumpy-learning.com. Where you get grumpy because you tried to type in the name, but it, you forgot the dash, and then you ended up someplace else. So, I think I think I actually own Grumpy Learning like all one word. I think I own it and just redirected or something. I'm pretty sure. Well, you know, you kind of ruined the joke. That's my job. Okay. So you got uh, things where you know people are talking to you about. Uh, hey, are you good with the uh, tests? You get that? You got your uh, development with tests. What kind of testing you do when people are talking about like doubles and spies and mocks and you're like what? This is crazy. 
Well, if you go to grumpy-learning.com, you will learn about how to test because they have books and stuff that you can buy there. And there's a new test book called Minimum Viable Tests, then then some kind of bundle with uh, this guy who rides his bike around in New York City a bunch, and sometimes he, he gets the, the Jack The Jack Sparrow of the PHP world, Phil Sturgeon. I would say that's accurate. And uh, you go there, you save a little money on that bundle, and you uh, make sure that Chris has money to do his stuff and only work four days a week. Car payments are not free, people. No, they're not. No, they're not. So you uh, go check that out. I got that new minimum viable test book. It's all good. So I got a cough, so give me a sec. <coughs> he never mutes when he does it either. That's always funny. I did mute. That's why I you wasn't You did not. Talking. You coughed, dude. I heard it. You're gonna, <laughs> when you listen to this in post, you'll hear yourself coughing. Really? Yes, really. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> really? Yes, really. You, yep. think I, you think I'd lie about that? You think I'm trying to gaslight you or something? Can you hear me right now? Yes. How about mm-hmm. now? Yes. Yep. Really? Yes. I think it's... Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Huh. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder how long that's been going on. The entire time you've been recording? Because the other time you said, I have to cough, I heard you cough. <laughs> I've been hitting mute. Well, like, I'm going to hit mute right now and talk. snarky. And listen to this. Listen, 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 listen. Listen. Hang on. Okay, it's blinking at me like it's muted, and I can't. But we can, but we can hear you. It's not. Muted. So I can't. Maybe hear. it just muted the recording. Well, it's not going into the earphones, which are a separate device. Like I plug that, but I plug it in directly to the mic. But it must be recording it. It's just not like uh, routing it out to the headphones. That seems like the dumbest mute feature ever. Well, I just use the mute on my actual mic, and that works perfectly. No, that's what I'm using, the mic on, on my Blue Yeti mic. It is Well, muted. then, you know, I might humbly suggest that, unbeknownst to you, you are not actually rec- not actually using the mic. You may be using some other device. Really? That would be my guess. Oh, that's upsetting. Have I sounded crappy the whole time? No, you've sounded good, but just, yeah. may- but just maybe like either – because I've done this too. I can record through my webcam. I can record through Son the – Son of a bitch. It's the- been using the built-in microphone the whole time. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> I'm going to sound like crap. No, no. You've sounded fine. No, you've sounded just fine, my friend. I'm upset about this. Now, here, let's switch it and see what happens. Yeti stereo. I wonder if it's going to blow up the whole thing. I probably shouldn't do that for now. <laughs> well, that would explain a lot, I got to tell you. <laughs> That would explain many things. I muted myself like four times, and I thought I was not coughing. That's nope. good thing. It's a good thing you didn't say anything you're oh going to regret. God. That's that's kind of good. Oh, my God. Yeah, I kind of thought that what was going it on. It turns like, out it wasn't my kid. On. It's like, hold on, I have to cough. And then I hear you go, Ugh. I'm like, wow. It's <laughs> not actually muting himself. That's I'm like, hilarious. I'm like, so this, let's just give him more rope. More rope. <laughs> Let me just mute end, myself. And then at the end, I just go. I like I, in my mind. I'm like, okay, I can't. I can't hold on to this anymore. It's like Ed, you're not muted. So anyway. <laughs> this is fabulous. I ruined the whole episode. All right. Um, well, this will also be an interesting sounding episode, but hopefully, it turns out okay. So you sound just fine, man. I would. Yeah, that's it. weird. I, but yeah, no, that's dumb. Oh man, that's really dumb of me. This is amateur hour. I tell you. <laughs> I tell you, amateur hour. Well, I think we have the episode title right there. 
Yep. Okay. Well, Noel, thank you so much for coming on. This is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Having me. Noel it's been on. Fun. This was good. Yay. All right. Uh, and I think that's uh, what we got today. So, Chris, uh, why don't you take it away? So this has been episode 17 und 9 of the Development Hell podcast. Uh, as Ed mentioned earlier, Noel, thank you so much for uh, joining us. I hope to run into you at a conference sometime soon. I think pretty soon, maybe not necessarily next year, because next year I'm kind of all conferenced out. Um, but running, and I'm going to start trying to make the rounds of some of the Python conferences for work stuff. I have a feeling some of the stuff that I am doing at Mozilla will be of, and this is not just my ego talking, will be of interest to other Python developers. Um, so you can find every single episode of the podcast that we've ever done on our website at devhell.info. Uh, you can listen to us there. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please, please, please rate the podcast. Let us know that we're continuing continually, continuing to uh, produce the best comedy-themed podcast surrounding technology that we possibly can. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at dev underscore hell. You can find me on Twitter, Grumpy Programmer, without the you. You can find Ed as Funkatron with the you. Thanks so much for joining, and we'll talk to you all soon. Good night. Good night.